Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to another episode of The School for Dumb Women, the podcast where we explain the stuff you failed to work out using context clues. I'm your host woman, Hannah Varrell, and the last time I played Cluedo, I swallowed the tiny candlestick and had to be rushed to hospital. Joining me is dead in the study with a wrench through her head, Alexandra Haddo. It looked like a murder, but actually I was just checking the pipes in there. And sole benefactor of her late husband's millions, shady widow Caroline O'Donoghue. Hannah, he hadn't even changed his will yet so you can all go home. What an anticlimax. This week we're talking about how you can grow bread in your vagina, why people enjoy roller coasters, and we're learning about the women who beat people up for a living. Sounds like a long weekend in Blackpool to me. It does, Alex. Let's crack on. Caroline, a little birdie told me that you've got an itchy fanny this week. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Hannah, I went to the bad bakery and I've got myself a (laughs) yeast infection. Oh, how much was it? <laughs> the price of a uh, cheap pair of knickers and a bikini that you wear long after it's wet. <laughs> um, I actually don't have thrush right now, but I do get it like fairly frequently. This is something I complain about a lot to you too. Some women are, um, you know, some women are cystitis women. Yeah. Some women are thrush women. Yeah. I am both of those women. Oh, man. <laughs> I know. They call that having it all. <laughs> I'm a cystitis with occasional thrush. Oh, really? Very occasional. The thrush bird doesn't visit me very often, which is nice. This, this is a line I'm borrowing from of my friend Tash, but I feel like my constant state is I'm 60% of the way of getting cystitis. Yeah. Like, I'm always just like, oh, if I don't have some water right now, I'm about to get some cystitis. Yeah. And then I would say, like, my to break up the courses, like, my sorbet is thrush. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I think I must have an unusually robust vagina because I have had cystitis and I've had thrush but like just kind of once or twice yeah so we, oh you and God, I, I were walking you. back from the pub the other night and you confessed this to me that you yeah. just rarely had instances of either and it was like a bit of our a bit of my empathy just fell away <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh okay I can't relate to you anymore <laughs> Um, yeah, actually, if I think about it, my earliest memory is of having thrush. No. Yeah, I remember it so clearly. So we have, um, my parents have like a, a caravan in this rural part of Ireland called Kerry. And uh, the the walls are kind of like the kind of scratchy wall. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know, the caravan? yeah, yeah. And um, I remember being like three and a half and like waking up in the middle of the night with this burning pain and like rubbing myself up against the walls. What, Fanny first? Fanny <laughs> first. Are you a three and a half? Yeah, you're doing I was, a split. I was so, so young. I remember being so small and I remember having like um a Little Mermaid knickers on and uh, 
And like I like I remember like it was the first time I'd ever gone to a doctor that wasn't like our GP and it was yeah. a woman doctor and I remember thinking like doctors can be women. Oh <laughs> yeah, and uh, that so status t- taught you about feminism. <laughs> and that was the moment I became a feminist. <laughs> God, I feel really bad for the men who listen to this podcast because this is like the first segment as well. <laughs> hey, they'll be fine. They don't Sorry, have thrush. Uh, yeah, for our American listeners, thrush is of course a yeast infection, which um, that is the bit about your thrush that always um, sort of confused me is that sort of dialectical thing because Americans call it yeast infections. They don't call, we it, call thrush. it thrush. Yeah, no. <gasps> Why do we call it thrush? I don't really know. Did a bird go down on a woman one time? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but like, isn't thrush the perfect name for it as well? It's like yeah. this horrible, dirty brown bird. <laughs> <laughs> Just rustling around in your nest. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a really dry bird. <laughs> Dirty brown bird sounds like a euphemism for anal. <laughs> you like, like 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 a convent woman who's trying to like explain anal to somebody. Like, oh, you had it from the dirty brown bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the whole you know thing comes from uh, the same bacteria that exists in every person on Earth. So, first of all, if you get thrush, you're not a dirty brown bird. (laughs) It's because of this bacteria that lives in our bodies, mostly in our gut, called Candida albicanus. Mm. Ah. Candidchi. (laughs) (laughs) That's so so funny when, like, a well-known brand takes the scientific name of something and then tries to make it more friendly, like Caniston. I know. Candida. Caniston. Cancanet. <laughs> Candidly-dumptious. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this this form of um, bacteria, it, like, lives in our body or whatever. It, um, it Men and women have it, but it can also live in your vagina, and most of the time it's completely harmless. Um, what happens then, though, is that, like, it's a sort of a yeast it's not the same kind of yeast that makes bread happen but it's um, like common to yeast in the sense that it multiplies very quickly mm. like you know how like that's why yeast works it's because like those those germ cells just like separate multiply and separate multiply and that's what makes yeast in bigger warm, I think. Damp environments. in warm damp environments yeah like my proving drawer <laughs> like your proving drawer yeah and, and that's um, the main sort of similarity so when you're uh, warm damp environment is an especially warm damp environment <laughs> so literally um, with, with, sometimes uh, if you're particularly sensitive to it if you're wearing like knickers overnight yes. um, my mum used to always say you need, you need to let your family breathe <laughs> <laughs> true story I never wear knickers overnight and I hardly, yeah, no, I hardly I ever do yeah. and also like if you're wearing sort of cheap nasty underwear made of like you know that kind of Primark yeah. sort yeah. of shi- like shiny fake silk Oh. I always think of like the shiny fake silk tongs and this stuff. This is why you probably always equate thrush to sex, but it's actually the supposedly sexy underwear you put on to have the ha- the sex that caused it. Oh my yeah. god, I hadn't put that together yet, but you're absolutely yeah, right. I've only saying. just thought of it now. Yeah, yeah, it's the disgusting underwear that you're putting yeah. on because you're not like you're, <laughs> you're not fancy late. enough to buy like real lovely underwear. Yeah. So you're just buying horrible, silky, scratchy stuff that makes you like sweat, and then it creates more of a human environment for bacteria to multiply. Oh, oh yeah. So my other big question about thrush was why when you're treating it do you get the pessary thing oh yeah okay you guys have talked about pessaries before which yeah. is like a little kind of pill thing that you put up your vagina right yeah, yeah. I've never experienced that so, I've never had one so think of the same mechanism that you use a tampon for so exactly. like you know how like yeah. or you know a spaceship where do you know how like a spaceship goes up into the air and then you, it loses sort of the 
the rocket part and then it's just the shuttle. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. Such like, a, like a tampon yeah. with an applicator. Like a tampon with an applicator right. or a spaceship going to space. I like the spaceship one better. <laughs> I Let's like it too. It spaceship. makes me feel more masculine than smart. Um, so it's a similar thing. It's like you have a, like a long plastic shooter what feels like like half the size of a you know a standard school ruler, and you you little you pop your little fella your little pill into into the head. Well, a bit. it's not little though, is it? No, it's massive. Really? It's giant. No. That's why you can't. You wouldn't give it to a horse to swallow. No, like, it's, like that. <laughs> it's like about it's about two that's inches like a, by that. That's like a super plus Lilith size. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh for real. Yeah. Massively. Um, so yeah, you and then you shoot that up into you, and you sort of hit it. You, you kind of feel it hit the back wall. Oh. <laughs> we've all been there am I we've right we've all been there and then you sort of what you have to do then Hannah for when you finally get thrush oh. um, is you have to sort of lie down for like do, whatever you do don't go taking the pessary and then go off for days of work because you'll just feel it fall out of you oh, oh yeah so it you have to like lie down it's inside you oh my yeah. god it's Alcacets are in, in your badge yeah, yeah. yeah it's exactly do you that. know that there's a pill and a cream that also treats thrush like an oral pill that's the thing so Another reason people get thrush, right, is because if for some reason their immune system isn't working the way it should. So actually one of the first uh, symptoms of people getting HIV is often that they have thrush symptoms, especially men. Um, So when you go on antibiotics, your immune system becomes all fucked up. And then often they'll say to you, we're going to when they prescribe you antibiotic for something else, they'll say, and you'll probably get thrush. So we're, oh, yeah. we're going to give you, um, prescribe you for a thrush as well. And this happened to me once. I was on antibiotics for a completely unrelated thing. And he said, you'll probably get thrush from taking these antibiotics because they're very strong. And I said, so I'm going to prescribe you this and you can pick it up at the pharmacy. It's the non-brand name one. So it'll be cheaper. And I said, thanks, that's brilliant. And he said, right, and I'll just prescribe that to you in pestery form. And I said, oh God, is there a pill option? And he said, yes. And he kept writing in his pad. What? And I was like, can I have the pill option. Yeah. <laughs> and he looked up and I was like, oh, yeah, I suppose you can. And then I was like, is there any difference between the two of them? And he said, no, none at all. What? And what? I think he just liked the idea of you putting I a think, pessary up. I think literally doctors are just making it fun for us. I thought the pessary, if you had it quite bad, treats it way quicker because you're literally treating the actual area. I, I thought that too and that makes complete sense to me. But actually there was a um, a study done over what treats it quicker and apparently a pill and the vaginal pessary is the exact fucking <gasps> same. What? That is so yeah. weird. Do you reckon men have just been getting off on thinking about us putting it up there? A little bit that and I also think as well because it's really expensive. It's oh. like 17 or 18 quid. And I think they justify that with the big plastic thing. <laughs> Fuck it out. But it's single use as well. I know. See, what really annoys me as well is like last time I bought it, um, the woman was like, oh, we'll give you the pessary back. And I said, actually, like I have loads of them pessaries at home because I've used this so many times. Yeah. <laughs> Can I not just um, take the pill and I'll put it in the pessary? And she looked at me like I was like <laughs> an ape. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I might have told this on the podcast before so apologies if I have but my funniest pessary story is that I used to work with a woman at Greg's back in the day um, and she had to go to hospital because she took a pessary orally and then it fizzed (gasps) up in her mouth and she had to go oh my god (laughs) so not only did she have a really embarrassing situation everyone was also like well she's got thrush (laughs) oh jeez poor lass and uh, yeah, just just in case you know no one's had thrush before and uh, they're wondering if they had. Every single time you get it, you think you're dying, and <laughs> <laughs> um, you sort of like what redness, itchiness, yeah, itchy, burning feeling, itchy yeah. but on the inside. Tessa Coates of the debrief uh, described it as the following, which I um, 
thought this was very clever. Like, if you're suddenly very aware of having a vagina all the time, oh, you yes. have thrush. That is so true. <laughs> yeah, because you go from it just being like, you know, in your everyday life, your vagina feels like more or less a part of your leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly like, you're like, ah, what is it doing? It's what? <laughs> it's doing what now? Yeah. So, um, that's it, lads. <laughs> Okay, so our next section is brand new, ladies. Ooh. Um, at this point of the show, obviously, we would usually have the Women Who Code Mixer, but sadly, our room we do that in has been taken over by Fathers for Justice this week. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so we can't do that. Uh, however, we do have a Money Masterclass section that we'll be trialling out um, because everybody knows that uh, women don't know what to do with money. It's true. Yes. Sorry, I'm really wearing my vagina. Oh no, are you thrushing now? I, you know what? I think it's like a somatic, like it is like I wasn't, and now I am. It's because we're talking about dough still. So yes, so every time we do this segment, we're going to tackle a different subject about money. And no, women with dough is nothing to do with women with thrush. Which right. was our previous segment. Oh it's God, not that I'll just type. throw all my notes away, will I? No, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Other titles for this section were Doe's with Ho, hang on, Ho's with Doe, Doe Ho's, Money Honeys, or Women with Cash. But we've gone with Women with Doe because it combines all of our favourite things. I like it. Um, and the topic for uh, this week's segment is Will you ever be out of your overdraft? Ooh, Ooh answer. Uh, no. no. <laughs> Short answer, no. Uh, but luckily, we've got a uh, cash-in-your-pocket slash money-saving expert, <gasps> Richard Danieu. Ah, oh, Richard Danieu is here. Yes, good old Richard. Oh, I've been to all the seminars. Yes, he's very, very exciting. He's, he's overtaking Martin Lewis on all the major platforms. He truly is Richard Danieu. Yeah, <laughs> he <laughs> truly is. <laughs> Such a stupid So thing. funny. <laughs> Um, sadly, Richard couldn't actually make it into the studio today Aww. as he's very busy shouting at young people to stop being poor. Mm-hmm. Um, and also none of us have a deep enough voice to pull off the impression. So uh, I've just got him to, when he had a spare second, because he's very, very busy, just write down his top five tips that we thought we could just quickly discuss um, for trying to get out of your overdraft, even though in the end it is ultimately futile. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, number one, be born at a different time. Oh, yeah, yeah, because if I was born in the 50s, I would be like, so I'm 28 now, but if I was 28 then, yeah. like, I'd have three grown-up kids, mm-hmm. and I'd own two houses. Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, mm. and all for my one job, like, making shoes in the factory. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely, you probably wouldn't even know what an overdraft is. I mm-hmm. mean, nobody's parents have got an overdraft, you know. Oh, absolutely not. Never heard my parents mention I'm pretty sure there's an age not. limit on it. Yeah, yeah, I think there is. Um, number two, share a room with two other people, you know. Oh, okay. Third your rent, yeah, if you will. Um, live in an area that not many other people live because everything's cheaper. Oh yeah, that's Her very Chingford good. is lovely at this time of year. Yeah, mm. uh, the depths of Northumberland very cheap yeah. to live. Very ah. cheap. Great tip as well if you live in London is mm. um, get priced out of the areas that you can no longer live in. Mm-hmm. Find somewhere else to live, yeah. and then when you get there, um, spend all of your money renting there. Yeah, and then um be told that you're gentrifying the area yes, yes <laughs> by yes, virtue yes. of existing in it yeah because that is our fault and not all the uh, foreign investors buying up loads of land for blocks of luxury flats and yeah, yeah totally our that's fault that's us in our 20s mm-hmm. 30s 
Tip number four, try not to scan everything you buy through the self-scan checkouts. Just rob the occasional bit of ginger. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I would say only major chains. You know, you don't want to tackle the no, little guy. No, no. I'm talking your Sainsbury's, your Tesco's, your Waitrose. Not your Alster, they're mainly for the working man. They're fine. No, especially um, shoplift from Waitrose. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Because they're not expecting it, so they've got no one patrolling. Exactly. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And, and nice food. Yeah. yeah. And do you know what? Like, if you if you say, oh, sorry, there's something saying it's unidentified in the bagging area, nine times out of ten, they just press OK and put their little code yeah. in. Yeah. And then you've got some free prawns. Yeah, so probably a good tip. Memorise that code that they have. Why has oh, no one tried that yet? Yeah. I have no idea. Oh, because don't you need a little barcode thing to oh, scan yeah, first? Oh, yeah, you need a little tag. So they get you. Oh, it can't um, be that hard. Easiest place in London to shoplift from is the Whole Foods in Piccadilly Circus. Oh, why? I've done it like twice. Great. I lie, like six times. Like I've <laughs> Seriously, go to the hot food counter, fill up a thing. Just leave. walk out. <laughs> I could do that. I have too much of a moral compass. Like I once walked out of Superdrug uh, with a packet of Smint uh, yeah. by accident, and then felt so bad that I went back into Superdrug and queued what, who up. Who did you feel bad for? I don't know. <laughs> Final tip: uh, consider taking up a job you have no interest in, but which is overpaid and nobody understands it. That's key. Ah, is that what mm. Richard Anu has done? Yeah, that's Richard Anu's job. Ah, uh, uh, he <laughs> clever man. Yeah. He is raking it in, and that is the key. To, if you do all five of those things all the time, uh, Richard Anu says that you might not be in your overdraft. Huh. Great. But ultimately you will. All right. Well, Richard Anu, I think um, he's taught me how to be richer than me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Richard. So, Hannah, you broke the rules of the School of Redone Women this week by talking to women who were not us. Can you please explain? Disgusting. I'm sorry, guys. Mm. I saw some cool girls and I was like, maybe if I'm going to talk to those cool girls, I'll be cooler. Oh, God. And were you? Uh, for five minutes, yes, and then they slapped me away, and uh, I fell this is to like the ground. Mean girls, I know. You're, Why? You're Katie Harris. That was very tragic. I'm Janice Ian. I'm joking. They were very, very nice. Yes, I went to meet two ladies from Eve Women's Wrestling. <gasps> oh, cool. Yeah, and I talked to them all about wrestling because I did not really know what wrestling was. It turns out I never know if it's is there wrestling that's real and wrestling that's fake, or is it all fake? Uh, funny you should ask, because uh, I did ask them how it all worked Ooh. and how a match kind of comes about. Um, so this is Rhea O'Reilly, the head trainer of Eve Women's Wrestling, and Emily Reed, the founder of Eve Women's Wrestling. And uh, here's what they said. So I'm at the Resistance Gallery in London with Emily Reed, founder of Eve Women's Wrestling. Hi, Emily. Thank you for having me on. And also Rhea, who's the kind of trainer person. Yes, I'm the uh, head trainer of the Eve Training Academy. And I'm also a former two-time Pro Wrestling Eve champion. So what is wrestling? That's a that's a big philosophical question. That's like <laughs> saying what is life. Uh, wrestling is a form of art. It's an expression. It's physical theater. It's it's a performance. Oh, it's gone very quiet in there. Any noise you can hear in the background is the wrestlers going through their matches in the venue just before we have a show tonight before we yes. have a show tonight yeah. yeah we're kind of upstairs in a little like balcony bit so how does wrestling work how does like a wrestling match work I would say just the basic box standard wrestling matches hero versus villain and it's normally the villain's gonna cheat 
and they're really going to beat down that hero, but then that hero can fight back and fight through all that pain and, and hopefully get yeah. the victory. It's uh, like, it's and like it a- is, just so we know, it is, what do you want to say, fixed? Pre-planned, as in, so when you go into the match, because it is theatre, you do know the outcome. So you plan your match accordingly from that yeah, one. Yeah, it's like, a, sometimes I call, say it's a bit like a live stunt show with a storyline. Yes. And that's a, that's what I think a wrestling show is. And each each match is its own little story within that, you know? Like uh, like in a, in a soap opera, you have an overarching story, but then each character has their own sort of storyline within that. And I think like, that's what a wrestling show in each match is. It's a performance, she said. From from what I know, though, just because it's staged, just because the outcome is staged, doesn't mean the violence that's happening isn't real. Oh, really? Like, these people are... Like, it is really hard on your body and stuff. Mm. Like, and you do, like, sustain some serious damage, but... Also, there's, there's stuff they do so they don't hurt each other too much. They're working together, but yeah. it does hurt them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of like a more robust Tai Chi. Yeah, I guess so. And I did ask them as well, because like to a certain extent, you can simulate like slapping someone in the face. You can kind of clap your hand and be like, ah! But, um, you know, if you're jumping off the side of a ring onto someone, it's got to hurt somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I asked them next, how much does it hurt? Well, I, I would say that when you start training, it hurts a lot because anytime you do anything new physical that like, like my friend started doing hula hooping recently and she nearly died because it was so <laughs> painful. But like, so your body's experiencing new movements that you're not used to. So it's definitely really tough. And when you're training, you're more likely to make mistakes. And so, you know, you can pick up bumps and bruises when you're doing matches and you're going full throttle, the adrenaline gets you through a lot. Um, I was speaking to you earlier and I said last year, I broke my ankle in the first minute of a match and I did the whole match and I mean I knew something was wrong with my ankle but I didn't think it was broken you ran up and down some stairs I did I did I ran up and down some stairs and too, then so. you you went and had a, a, a drink at the pub and, yeah. a, and a flipping Nando's <laughs> I mean I kind oh, of I kind of knew at amazing. that point it was pretty bad yeah you were uh, like I think you might have to get I, me an Uber home I was like I'm something ma- is wrong still in denial about having to go to the hospital but <laughs> it does hurt and like the, the thing is uh, because because like I said earlier it is like a stunt show things can go wrong and it does mean you can get hurt I think she's my absolute hero. She went wow. to Nando's on a broken ankle. That is dedication. Fair play to her. Jesus. Because yeah, she just had all this adrenaline from doing the match and everything. Oh, oh my God. I dedication to so chicken, cool. I mean. Yeah, dedication to Perry Perry. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like, do you know how, like, it's all about, like, oh, representation of, like, you know, strong women characters. And yeah. Stuff. And that's about, like, having smart women. And so I just, like, I feel so moved whenever I see, like, women just being, like, really physically strong. Totally. Yeah. And I watched, I watched the match afterwards. So I interviewed them before the match. And then I watched the match and was just, like, blown away. Genuinely yeah. blown away by just these incredible, like, awesome kick-ass women which is not a phrase I ever no. use <laughs> kick-ass women is verboten in this house that is yeah. not only, my phrase we only say it when it really means although, something yeah, you it do mean it literally here, so <laughs> they did fine. they kicked asses yeah. Oh, asses. Oh, um, God, I hate the word kick-ass. Just I like, know. you know, Virginia Woolf was a kick-ass lady. Uh, <laughs> like, no. no, she wasn't. <laughs> Stop it. But they were so cool. They were just like smashing each other to the floor and yelling and being really loud and cool. And that's what um, Emily as well, who founded Eve Women's Wrestling, says that she loves so much about it. And now I'm going to play another clip. It is showing women as the, the powerful 
and strong women that they are and it's helping the women feel empowered too and it's really showing very clearly that women can be loud and take up space which is something that we are not encouraged to do and we actually train ourselves from childhood to do the exact opposite whereas you'll have a wrestler come down Rhea comes down and she takes up the whole ring with her presence she comes down and she is a star and she is awesome and she can beat up anyone because you're just like oh, you. I think, no you you're incredible and it's like a contagious feeling you're just like oh i love her i want to be that strong woman and it's lovely do you know what's really funny you say my presence takes up the whole ring it's really funny because sometimes when people meet me they were like oh thought you were taller and I'm not like sure I'm 5'7 but like they always because of the way I stand in the ring they always yeah. just think I'm like like really t- so yeah right um but like that that's it like you're saying you gotta uh, you know I was saying you gotta love this to do this you do get a lot out of it like Emily said earlier like there's no experience like wrestling and that's not just true for the audience but that like that's for wrestlers too like pro wrestling's my drug uh, I I don't get a high like I do from performing as a professional wrestler and uh that that is really special and that makes like all the travel and the bumps and the bruises and the broken ankles worth it god what what great ladies i know cool right gals um so just to finish off our segment um i did ask them as well because obviously wrestling is about characters you've got the hero and the villain typically Mm -hmm. and um they will fight each other and there's these set moves that kind of people know but they don't know exactly which moves necessarily are going to happen in the match and there's a lot, obviously, that um, that I asked them during the interview, which I can't fit in this segment today. So we will be putting out a bonus episode Ooh, my on Saturday for anyone who wants to find out more from Emily and Rhea. Um, but yeah, so another bit that I asked them that I want you guys to do as well. I said, how do you go about creating a character uh, for wrestling? And obviously, you sort of need to pick an aspect of your personality that you can kind of turn into this character that you're going to be on stage. Um, and so I said... My character, I feel, would be Queen Victoria. Because, <laughs> oh my God. And you'd be like a big gown. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And here's the character they created for me, okay? Right, so if I was going to have you as a queen gimmick, for sure, I would probably have you have a scepter. I was going to say, you need a scepter. I would have a crown. I would have you make, like not look at anybody. I would make you make people get out of your way. I'd probably even maybe have you have some kind of beautiful long robe. You know the one she... Oh, so it's like maybe a jacket, but it looks like a robe. Then yeah. you can just take it off and Absolutely. Rustling. You'd probably like, I'd have gold, gold gear with crowns all over it or, or crown jewels or, I would, oh my I God. would want you to have like a hand servant manager who could interfere so that you didn't have to oh, sully your hands with certain bits. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Almost, oh, so, so, so yeah. yeah. No, like, we get fully like, okay, whatever, this is what whatever, we're doing. Yeah. Like the thing is, it, it always starts simple and then you can make it more and more and more extravagant as you go. Every show or every like training session or whatever it is, you can add another little touch, another little touch and so you build up this entire person that never existed before and that will be your gimmick. I really like the idea actually of having a, a sort of hand servant manager that uh, I mean just in day to day life that kind of would go around and get people Oh yeah, out telling of their people way. off or yeah. like touching you or talking to you. Yeah, that'd exactly. Be good. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. So you guys, if you had to come up with a wrestling character, what would yours be? So much pressure. Uh, I'm not ready for this. I'm not prepared. I think I would be like a sort of modern day clown. Oh. oh. Um, so not not like a freaky one, but with sort of cool makeup. Drag queen clown? Is that a, is that yeah. a thing? Like a yeah. scary clown? Or? No, like a, like a jolly one. 
Um, I'd maybe just like dye my hair blue and have it long and flowing. But oh, then I be, like that. Then yeah. be in a yeah. sort of onesie, but then like be the sort of clown bumpy. Yeah, no, no, you'd have like um the the big yellow trousers with like red um braces. Yes. Yeah, but like you'd have like a tiny little crop top underneath Ooh, it, kind of thing, yeah. or maybe Ooh. nothing. Sexy. Clown. I like that. You know what I mean? yeah, and like huge, clown. huge shoes, and you belt people over the face with your shoes yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yes, I love that idea. Slutty clown. Yeah. Rhea as well. Rhea O'Reilly when she came on because she was the first um, wrestler to do a match that evening um, she had this kind of Easter theme because it was on Easter weekend mm-hmm. and uh, she'd brought with her a Kit Kat Chunky egg and was like feeding it to her opponent when the opponent oh was down god. on the floor, like oh my god. smashing it in their face so and then disturbing. she got out these hot cross buns and was like smashing these hot cross buns into this poor woman's mouth oh and it was god. amazing that's amazing I feel like I would be the famine ender <laughs> <laughs> And um, so I come into the ring and I'd, um, you know, have like a shawl wrapped around my hair and yeah. stuff. Be like a little old Irish lady, Not but right. like huge. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just like ripped as hell, but a little old Irish lady <laughs> with a basket full of potatoes. And I would just like hurl them into the crowd. Oh, I, I think yeah. I'd be the heel. I think I, you'd be the you'd be the hero and I think I'd be the heel. You know what I mean? The heel? The heel, like the villain. Oh, is that an Irish thing? No, it's a wrestling term. Oh, I did not know <laughs> I that. You, you discovered it on your wrestling Shows Odyssey. how much I know. Yeah, so I'd be like a baddie, like belting potatoes at people. And I'm really angry about the famine because obviously the English started the famine as a way to wipe out the Irish. So, so sorry about that. Really pissed about that. But like, I'm, bad, I'm a baddie, but people root for me, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah. Good plan. And I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry. Don't <laughs> hate me. I'm half Scottish. It's like every conversation I have at every party I go to. <laughs> oh, we don't even learn about that in school. It's not my fault. Yes, it is. Yeah. Educate yourself. <laughs> but yeah, so I really enjoyed um, talking to people that weren't you. As well you should, yeah. <laughs> so are we going to have the School for Dumb Wrestling soon? I think we genuinely should, yeah. And Eve, actually, Eve Women's Wrestling does have Eve Academy where they teach you to be a wrestler. Oh my God, that'd be so much fun. So oh. if you're interested in that, you can find out more on their website. They also do, they do um, big matches, but they do like weird cabaret events. Like I went to a share event they put on once. So if you like their Facebook page, um, they'll put up all kinds of mad stuff. Yes, they yeah. had this amazing drag queen that performed kind of halfway through called Lolo. <gasps> brow and she did a whole love song about her great love affair with her dildo great (laughs) and it was very romantic oh i wish i could have come to this so good selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage shopify is there to help you grow shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms because businesses that grow grow with shopify Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Alex, your hair is a mess and you vomit into a bin. Don't tell me you pay for this experience. No, I'm pregnant. Psych! Ah. I've just been on a roller coaster. Have you? Well, no, but for the purposes <laughs> of the illusion of this. I was thinking, I didn't think there was a lot of roll coasters in Soho. No. Should, we, should we recreate it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Should we just push, push you off the ah! stool a lot? Yeah. <laughs> just scare me for sort of four and a half minutes. Mm. Uh, yeah. That'd be great. We'll just keep you waiting there for one minute. Yeah. Like slowly chugging upwards. Yeah. That'd be uh, great. And then eventually we'll just push you over. Mm. Um, well, that's actually um, how roller coasters mainly work, which I don't know if it's more terrifying or less. So... Most roller coasters, even these days, work on the premise of, you know, chug, 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 and you're getting yeah. pulled up. Mm-hmm. And that is very much like a you're on a chain that's linked to the carriage that you're on, and it's literally heaving you up mm. a giant hill, which is obviously the point at which... I always think being on a roller coaster, I liken it to pregnancy, because I feel like once you're on and you're strapped in and it's moving, you the only way to get off that roller coaster to is to go it. through yeah. the ride. Yeah, and that's oh, how I that's feel about so pregnancy. Like after after a certain stage, that's <laughs> um, <laughs> so much like everything, isn't it? Yeah, you know I mean, like job interviews. Just well, like if it's going badly, you, yeah. to, you can't just leave. You have to. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. Continue. You could just leave. It would just be very odd. That's true. As your fellow countryman once sang, Caroline, life is a roller coaster. Just got to ride You've it. Just got to ride it. Yeah, just got to ride it. Um, another one of my fellow uh, country women, Sarah Griffin. She got married in Disneyland. And uh, then the minute after she got married, they went on Space Mountain. <gasps> and then Space Mountain broke halfway through. No! What? And all the lights came on. And they she, she, her and her new husband were just like, at the time, new husband, obviously, um, were just sitting in this roller coaster chair, like basically half upside down, <gasps> looking at the inner wiring of, oh my uh, God. of Space Mountain. And she's like, it was the biggest metaphor for married, married life. <laughs> just, like, just like, the lights have come on. You're hanging upside down. Yeah. You can see the wires. <laughs> Oh, God, there's no mystery. (laughs) Um, Yeah, um, sorry, just to go back. When um, you're being dragged up that horrible hill of Mm -hmm. fear and anticipation. We still have a pregnancy, yeah? Uh, We still have a pregnancy, yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, The energy that is this sort of opposite motion to that, obviously, when you get tipped over the edge, that's what carries you through the rest of the ride. Oh, it's just momentum. It's just momentum, yeah. On most. There are are ones where it's motorised, which are things like... um, a couple of them at Alton Towers, like the really modern ones where they like, you know, naught to 60 in yeah. two seconds or whatever. They're like mechanised. They've got brakes as well, haven't they? So that even if they can't necessarily speed you up, they could stop you, presumably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, roller coasters started in about 1885 and the one of the first ones was on Coney Island. Mm. And obviously they were wooden back in the day, but they were obviously just literally like pull you up to a big height and then you'll carry yeah. on the rest yourself. <laughs> Let you go. Yeah. Ping you off. Um, Have you seen those videos of old Coney Island though? They're proper ratchet. Yeah, and yeah. It's like, oh, throw you in a barrel and roll you around for a bit. Yeah. Give me a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No wonder when roller coasters came around, they were like, thank God A reason for this. to go to Coney yeah. Island. Yeah. 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 
Um, what's the scariest roller coaster you've ever been on? Oh, I don't know. Probably the scariest one actually was just on Brighton Pier. You know, there's that one kind of on the end of the pier. Oh, oh yeah, 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 over just the pier, yeah. Dead old, and you can kind of. I, I'm already a bit scared of the pier because you can see through all of the wooden slats, and you can mm. see the sea below. And <laughs> oh god, never that warm in the UK when I'm in Brighton. Uh, so you know, you're already kind of like, oh, this is a bit rickety. Yeah. And you can see the pier that burnt down just over there. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, oh, you yeah. saw right. And <laughs> There's then, and like the you, ghost of dead yeah, people. And yeah. then you pay like three pounds to go on this ancient, ancient thing. And it's just like, this is such a death wish. I think actually you've hit on something very real there about roller coasters. Because I think um, roller coasters are scarier the more of them you can see. Yeah. Yes. Because, um, I was thinking about my scariest roller coaster, and I've been on like Space Mountain and stuff, but that's all indoors. Yeah. And that's actually just like fun. But the scariest one I've been on was an Indiana Jones one that I went to in Disneyland, and it was all outdoor, so you could see every bit of yeah. it all the time, and so you like you get that anticipation of like that doesn't look safe, that doesn't look safe, and like it's like the opposite of a horror film where yeah. the more you see, the scarier it is. Yeah. Horror film, <laughs> yeah. the less you see, the scarier yeah. it is. It's it when is you so see true. the loops and they're just like on stilts. Yeah, it's yes. still, and you're like, yeah, the you're like, uh, uh, should it not be hanging from a giant no. ceiling yeah. or something? The thing that's scary about roller coasters isn't the speed or the going upside down or any of that. It's literally just, is this roller coaster going to collapse while yeah. I'm on it? No, the scariest yeah. thing about a roller coaster is the 14 year old who's managing it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that is so true. Just like pressing that tiny little lever that puffs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then like, you're off on the death ride. On the death ride. Yeah. Um, so, and obviously they have been roller coaster accidents most uh, famous recently being Alton Towers a couple of years ago where um it was on the Smiler ride and so you sh- how the Smiler how I know yeah and how roller coasters are quote unquote safe is that they have uh you know modern ones have uh, sensors every sort of 20 to 30 meters and they that will kind of feed back to a central computer that'll be like right there's a carriage on that section that section that section and no two will ever be near each other, essentially. Yeah. But the reason that the Smiler crash happened was because there was there was a carriage on the track. The way I was reading about it, it was like it had sort of been left there overnight. <laughs> like, oh, man. Just randomly on the track, sort of sat in a low bit of the track. And then, then they sent a ride off. So it just, it crashed into a stationary Jesus. thing. Uh, uh, oh. It was the equivalent of like a 90 mile an hour crash. That's crazy, isn't like it? And, horrendous. And two kids had to have their legs amputated, yep. didn't they? Yeah, it was really bad. It's really horrible. It's that, it's that thing of why do we do it? And it's literally the adrenaline of I'm 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 okay. I'm still alive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a strange thing. Roller coasters hold sort of a significance for me because for years and years and years I was too scared to go on them in case I was Same. in case I was sick. I remember going oh. to a friend's birthday party at Thorpe Park when I was probably about twelve, and everyone went on the roller coaster apart from me and their mum because oh. I was just like, I don't. It goes upside down. I don't know. Oh, I can so imagine you just sensitive little boy. <laughs> yeah. I was so that kid, Caroline. Oh. And then eventually, like. I did go on a roller coaster and I was like, this is fantastic. This is loads of fun. Yeah, same. I got to about 15 and I was like, do you know what? Fuck this. I'm going on. And then I went on all of them. Yeah. Do you want to hear something from very sad? What? I was 22 before I went to my first roller coaster. Really? Oh. Yeah. Not because I was afraid of them, just because um, I don't... We're, we're a big family and I don't think my parents were ever going to take us to like Disneyland Paris, like the four, yeah. four kids. So I just don't really remember going to a big theme park ever when I was a kid. Yeah. Maybe I went when I was really, really small, but I have no memories of theme parks growing up. Like only like traveling fun fairs where it's like, oh, there's a roundabout in the Walters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, Which are almost scarier. Oh, yeah. There's, there's like a ride that will throw you into the air and throw you back down. Yeah. But there's no big stationary roller coaster. Yeah. So yeah, I was 22 and in Disneyland Paris. Oh, yeah. did you like great. it? I loved it. Yeah, no, I, I I was there for four days straight. Amazing. Just in the middle of winter, no one there, no <laughs> queues. It was fantastic. Great. Yeah. What a way to induct yourself. Yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah. Um, I'm going to end on the world's scariest roller coaster. It's in Taiwan um, and it's called Gravity Max. I think that's been lost in translation somewhere, but still. <laughs> Gravity Max. Gravity Max. That's fine. Um, Gravity, but more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it literally sounds like the most terrifying thing. I'm going to try and explain this well, but when this episode goes out, I will put a picture on our Instagram so that you can, or a mini video actually that I watched today, which a guy filmed while he was on it. So you're kind of going along um, and you're very, very high up, but you're um, horizontal. So you're going along horizontal. You're not going upwards. You've right. come up the hill. Then you, you go horizontal, a bit like Oblivion, mm-hmm. a bit like that. Um, but then, as if you're on Oblivion, um, you think Oblivion? I don't, I don't know, know what Oblivion, Oblivion is. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was like a really well-known one. It's the one. But that you all... said, "Uh huh," like you knew. It's the one on Towers we where, this, yeah. where it's literally just like a, you just go up a massive hill and then it just like tips you over the top and you just like free fall all the way down. But this roller coaster is exactly the same as that. But when you're at the top, what happens is there's a vertical drop, but the piece of track that you're on goes out over the top of the drop, right? So it comes out for about four or five feet over the drop. And then what happens is once you're on that piece of track, which is about 20 to 30 metres long, that track goes from being horizontal with you on it to just tipping 90 degrees so that it's vertical, so that then you're facing Ooh. down, and then the so track sl- does it do it slowly or slowly? Fast? Oh no! And then the track has to click into place. So then you're horizontal. Uh, sorry, then you're vertical, facing yeah. the ground, and the track links up, and then you go. Oh my god! I was watching the oh, this I guy. So uncomfortable. I know this guy sat on the front and filmed it, um, and then the, and then it's like a huge, massive, like ninety meter drop or something. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, um, don't know why we do roller coasters, but um, they're an endless source of amusement in a way. Yeah. And that's their one job, really. To, yeah. to, to be an endless source. Yeah. Really to just talk about how scared you were and how how brave you yeah. are. Yeah. I think the worst thing, though, is definitely queuing up for 50 minutes to get on a roller coaster that lasts 15 seconds. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's why the best roller coaster I've ever been on is the Pepsi Max at Blackpool. Do you know the best one I was ever on was the Finding Nemo one, also at Disneyland. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because um, it was like, first of all, the line was quite long, but also, do you know how like they make a bit before the line that's like almost like it feels like part of the feature? Like there was like, yeah. the Finding Nemo music and cartoons playing. Oh, it yeah. was like it's a good waiting area, and then the the ride was really long as well. Yeah. And like you get you you're on a turtle shell and it spins around, and you oh, join another wow. turtle shell. It's very good. You very much feel in the sea. Oh, great! <laughs> that's so. See, I I don't know. I don't understand why people are like. Let's go on Nemesis. But like in the queue, they've got those things being like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? It's like a manifestation of toxic masculinity, isn't it? It's like like you have to have so many balls to go on this. Have you got eight eight balls? balls? (laughs) If I went for four, you went for eight. You're so much more toxic masculinity than me. Collect your balls at the door. Well, that was a roller coaster. Just gotta ride it. Um, It is nearly the end of the episode. So to round off everything we've learnt and transform us into women worthy of tagging in an Instagram post, we are, of course, going to have a smart lesson. Hashtag friends. Hashtag empowerment. Hashtag girl club. Hashtag muff. (laughs) (laughs) Am I doing it right? (laughs) So it 
might have come to your attention that here in the UK we have a royal family. Uh, and if you know that, you might also know that the royal family is going hell for leather on events this year. So in preparation for a royal wedding and a third royal baby, not to mention whatever happens between this episode being recorded and it going out, we're going to create a smart woman's guide to talking about the royal family Ooh. at this very hectic time. So what are your general stances on the royal family? Because I always feel like I should hate them. I feel like this sort of a clever, you know, smart woman thing to do is to hate them and think they're a bad idea. But actually I kind of swear in between ambivalence and mild support. Same. I feel like I should hate them because of like the empire and everything. Yeah. But um, I bloody love them. And I think that's a generational thing because I think what happens is that we grew up with um, Harry and Wills. And like, yes. one of my like early big TV memories was um, them walking after their mum's coffin. Oh, God. Yeah, that was cool. so that's like getting the empathy what, like day one. And then they just grew up to be a bit like the Harry Potter kids. Do you know what I mean? They just yeah. like, God, against all the odds, you just seem like 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 nice, normal posh boys. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That you feel really like positive yeah. exposure towards I'm sort of the same I'm like well sometimes people ask me this expecting me to have a sort of atheist style rant yeah um, but I'm quite ambivalent but again I sometimes when you hear about how much money it costs you are a bit like oh this is all a bit of a weird show really but at the same time the young royals are quite like but I don't want to say Queen's inspiring legend not right, as well. but yeah. Queen's an absolute ledge. Yeah. I know that she probably is. I just think she always looks so miserable. But then again, if I was 91 and having to like open a garden centre, I'd be miserable too. Yeah. But that's so. what she's meant to be miserable, isn't she? Like, if you've watched The Crown... Oh, and I have, I'm sure we times. couldn't get into a smart listen about royals without mentioning The Crown. Like, her whole thing is that she's not meant to have an opinion on anything and she's not kind of meant to, you know, yeah. be very expressive. She has to be, like, placidly removed. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I do quite like the young... Well, the princes, really. I don't really care about anyone else, to be honest. I don't know. Meghan Markle's clearly a ledge as well. Oh, no, sorry. I meant, uh, I meant actually, I meant the princes and her. I don't really care about Kate you Middleton. You mean her. <laughs> you mean you hate Kate Middleton specifically. I don't hate Kate Middleton. Toxic femininity. No, I don't hate Kate Middleton. I just feel a bit like she's a bit nothingy. So we're all kind of in the middle ground of being like, yeah, there's probably bad things about them, but there's a lot of pros and quite like them yeah uh, but if you are a smart woman of course you should just have an opinion doesn't matter what it is have an opinion yes and you can't be middle of the road like we've just been definitely not so here are some opinions for you uh first off the royal family are scroungers who waste our hard-earned money and they should just get married at the local chippy <laughs> that's so true it was good enough for your mother yeah. it's good enough for them <laughs> what is my favourite thing is that I'm not a, you know a huge um, royalist or whatever but I'll, I'll be watching the wedding of course I will but mostly for of the sort of course you're watching the fucking for wedding for the sort of you know <laughs> national mentality that day will be a laugh and everyone will be out and yeah. you know um but I love it. I love my favourite thing is like when you know when there's something like this or an engagement or a royal baby in an office, and all the men, even though about thirty percent of them probably would like to get up and have a look at the TV, a hundred percent of them just sit there being like, "Oh, not for me. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. You girls have your yeah. fun. Well, I don't know why no. you bothered. I don't know why you bothered." Uh, the next opinion: the royal family help the economy by increasing tourism. Also, they spend a lot on mother care these days. They do. I can't <laughs> yeah, they, argue with that. Bloody so, hell! I know. Yeah, they are know, pop in the mouth. As much as they kind of take away, they also give. And apparently, tourists really love them. They love going to Buckingham Palace, don't they? Oh I, yeah. I would love to know how much specifically royal family tourism brings in because, really, if they weren't there. No one would know. People just go to see Buckingham Palace. Nobody oh, sees yeah. a royal, do they? The Queen might not even exist, but we're all just like, yeah. Please. Lads, one day I spent a Saturday, you know, there's like um, a bit of green opposite Westminster Abbey. Oh, yeah. I sat there because the weather was nice, just have, like, had a Coke and just like chilled out for a bit because I was on my lunch hour and I was working near the area. Lovely. I saw three separate couples, all I think from Southeast Asia, 
come do their wedding photo shoot <gasps> dressed as Kate and Wills. Wow. What? Yeah. Caroline, you're wearing a kind of red jacket at the moment. I am. I'm very Wills right should now. We, should we pop oh. over after? <laughs> yeah. And I'm wearing a full white lace Alexander McQueen custom made gown. <laughs> <laughs> Looks all right. Yeah, I was going to say. Thank you. Oh, I might actually, do you know what? I never put a bet on, but I might put a bet on for the designer for Meghan Markle's dress. Ooh, who do you think it's going to be? I'm putting two pounds, because I'm a massive mm. gambler, on uh, Stella McCartney. I think Vivian Westwood. Oh, I'd and I lo- think there'll be a slight punk angle to it. I'd love it to slight. be Vivian Westwood. That would be amazing. Yeah. Ah. I think it would be Daniel Day-Lewis. His <laughs> <laughs> dress, his wedding dress in that film. Like, beautiful. Stunning. Our next uh, stance that you could have on the royal family, Prince Charles should grind his biscuits into paste to help with the restoration of Buckingham Palace. Yes, oh. absolutely. Mm. Yes, he's big on his biscuits. Is he? Is he? Yeah, Dutchy. Isn't that him? No idea. I don't know. He's he's really into like the environment and organic things, and he has sort of an organic biscuit range, which I think is actually fine. That's very cute. Kind of I did like not a know that. Thing to to do. I feel sorry for him because if the crown is to be believed, he was very badly abused. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> was he? Yeah. Oh, it's very sad, lads. Yeah. Oh God. Um, I like the royal family, but in a cool, ironic way. And I'm going to collect all the tea sets with Meghan's face on them and then sell them in 30 years. I oh, yeah. That'll be very mm. popular in East London, I feel. I mm. bet, yeah. Uh, and a bonus one, just to end on. The royal family are a hangover from a cruel empire that profited off the blood of others and they should all make retributions. And you can reach me via PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the most important thing to remember here is whichever opinion you have as a smart woman, you have to be stubborn and stick to it. Yes, of course. The crime of saying, I'm not really well informed enough to have a solid opinion that doesn't change according to circumstances, including but not limited to the amount of baby photos I see when I'm at the most fertile stage of my cycle. Mm, Yes, quite. Well, that's it for another week of Talking Loudly and Listening Badly. We hope you've enjoyed yourself, and if you have, hope you'll find it in your heart to give us an honest review on the Apple Podcast Store, formerly known as iTunes. Thanks to Gavin Day for our logo, Harry Harris for our jingles, and Soho Radio Studios for our recording space. True fans can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at DumbWomenPod. And haters can find us on DumbWomenPod at gmail.com. Goodbye! Bye! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.